0: what's up everybody (laughs) welcome back sorry for the little hiatus and the uh late show start but we got everything rocking and rolling now so we're back in full force and want to want you all to give a big warm welcome to our guest this week good friend of mine jj what's up my man how are you bro i'm good good, man it's been a minute it's been a minute It's been a minute before you had this uh, whole beard. Yeah, yeah, I had a shorter one like you for a long time, and then I mm -hmm. had just the goatee for a while. You
1: had the shorter one, the goatee. Yeah, yeah,
0: I was gonna say it's been a it's been a minute since we've actually got to hang out. Well, how you been, man?
1: I've been alright. The economy sucks.
0: Yes, the economy does suck. And for those of you that don't know, JJ. I'd put JJ in the serial entrepreneur category. That's exactly what I am.
1: <laughs> I'm a serial entrepreneur. So for exactly
0: sure. Right. So, when we say the economy sucks, like you definitely feel it when you work that hard to build all the different businesses and get everything where it is, and then to see that just for no lack of effort on your own go to the wayside or just a big step down that's really rough it's depressing it is
1: you sit there and you question yourself and you i you know i i take i'm really hard on myself and so when that happens which has happened i go into this mode where i start thinking like what did i do you know how did i get here what did i do wrong where do i need to change things Blah, blah blah And then i i look around and i go it's not just me I didn't change anything that I was doing. I was very successful. I'm still successful, but not at the same rate I was.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm.
1: I had to close down a couple of my businesses because it didn't make sense running them. In yeah. In the meantime. So I'm hoping to pick those back up, hopefully, when this clown is out of
0: office. I uh, couldn't agree more. But so for those of you who don't know, JJ, let's, let's see. We'll start with Fast Four Wheels. Mm-hmm. He owns fast four wheels, and that's full automotive. Whatever your automotive needs are, whether it's auto body, motor, suspension, transmission, whatever, he's got full service there. He's got the towing, too, and we'll tell that story because that's actually how we met. And then he's also the owner of Fat Shack. um, Plano. In Plano. The Plano franchise I own. So... And they make some damn good burgers. I try to stay away from them because I've been trying to lose weight. I haven't.
1: I've I've, I've been losing weight, but I haven't been staying away from the burgers.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. Our mozzarella sticks are awesome, too. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So, JJ and I actually met. So, flashback. What was that, man? That's got to be six, seven years ago, at least. Because it was my first Raptor. Yeah, it was your first Raptor. It was your
1: 2013 Raptor.
0: Yeah, the black one. The black one. Yeah. My wife and I are on the way to a Cowboys game, literally going down the tollway. And I literally, my truck dies right at Costco, right as I'm getting on the George Bush ramp. And my wife's been in several car accidents, fused in the neck, so she's kind of freaking out. You know, we're, I mean, rush out traffic, I mean, cars are flying by us, my truck is dead. And here comes this Big jacked-up Raptor flying up behind me, comes to save the day. Lo and behold, it's JJ. (laughs) Took time out of his day to stop, tell me, like, hey, what help do you need? How can I help you? We exchanged information. He got us over to the parking lot where we could take an Uber. We still made it to the Cowboys game before kickoff. He got my truck towed to his shop. And by Monday morning, I had an estimate, and we were ready to go get my truck fixed. So that's really how our relationship started. That's exactly right. Even how though funny. we ran around in a lot of the same circles and people for years, which has been funny since we became friends on all the social media. <laughs> no. Because I get asked all the time, anytime one of us comments on something, it's like, wait, how do you know JJ? And it's like, <laughs> all right, this is going to go one of two ways. Like, how do you know JJ? Like, did you guys go to school together or do you know him through business? Most people love me or hate me. Most people yeah. love me. That I
1: know that I've met, you know, a similar story like you Yeah, and the people that hate me, well, they're jealous or something went And down. it's
0: usually i found people in the car world, like the weird car world, like the exotic stuff, which goes back to like when you first started out, like, and they've got some kind of weird racing story or something. Usually probably because you beat them.
1: I beat a lot of people, but I mean, there's a lot of people that also like <clears throat> that I don't mess with in the car game because their cars are just too fast. Like I like fast cars, and to me, like I have a thousand horsepower Skyline GTR. That's cool. A
0: real Skyline. It's real cool. Real and it's Skyline. Absolutely a real, legit. A real, like the real, real right-hand
1: drive Skyline and R34 GTR V spec. Not a not a new 35 GTR, which I actually have one of those two. But but the uh, you know I'm doing a thousand horsepower. You know, 1200 horsepower things like that. These people nowadays in the car scene, if you don't pull up with 1500 horsepower at least you're getting laughed at the entire way. So that's one of the, that's it's one. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, there's thousand horsepower trucks now. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it's how you put down that power, right? Power to weight ratio. Yeah. So like, like I drive, you know, I drive, I have a Lamborghini, Lamborghini am Huracan spider mm-hmm. and that thing, I have a VF tune on it. I have intake filters. I have Capristo exhaust. You know, and that thing right there sits, you know, 600 horsepower. It's not that fast. I call it quick. It's yeah. Quick, you know, but it's fun. I don't care about being super fast anymore. Yeah. I just care about, I put the top down, I cruise, I relax. It's my, it's my zen time. You yeah. Know, it's my, it's my relaxed time. So, yeah. but back then I was all about beating everybody in the power and that's what I did back then. Then when cars changed, it all changed. That's when I kind of grew up a little bit more and I was like, eh, I don't really care about being the fastest. I'm gonna invest money in real estate. I'm gonna buy a storage facility. I'm gonna buy some more rent houses. You know, I'm not gonna turn around and I'm gonna buy some more tow trucks. I'm not gonna buy another another car. Yeah,
0: because so. you're like up to what? Like a fleet of like six really badass cars. I have seventeen cars. Seventeen. Okay, so I've missed several. In- but
1: I mean, that's all my vehicles. Yeah. So I have a couple of work vehicles in there that aren't cool. Right. No, but like I got like five, six, seven nice car. There's six
0: or seven is what I'm referred to are yeah. the ones that like yeah. you yeah. go riding around. A hundred percent. All the time. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Plus my motorcycle.
0: Yeah. Still have it.
1: yeah.
0: I can't, I couldn't do a motorcycle and not in this state, man. I, I love bikes, but just not in Texas, man. It's just too much.
1: Not now in Texas. Yeah. We used to be able to in Texas. So all these people from California started coming over here at 250,000 people a month. Yeah. And now that they're here, you know how long it took me to get here? Just in the traffic jam I was yeah. in? We don't have traffic like this. I was normally. working
0: on all these like fast four wheels jokes for that. Oh, like no. I just, I just didn't have one that was really good. You know where fast four wheels comes from? Where awesome. from? My mom said,
1: what's fast in this four wheels? I said, done. Fast four wheels. I said, that's the name.
0: That's awesome.
1: That's literally where it came from.
0: That's awesome. Well, why don't we why don't we back up and tell everybody how you got into the car business? Because I think that's a really cool story. Like, I remember when you shared. So, this like, one. how I
1: started started from like, like when I was little, and what led me into it, and then what yeah, and into then
0: it. The, and then let's talk about like the sure. skylines and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. So, um, I grew up poor, not poor, but I was low middle class. Yeah. Uh, my mom spent all of her hard-earned money on the education yeah so she did put me in private school but we didn't have money for anything else so you have those you have those private school kids that have everything and parents pull up in their bmws and range rovers and stuff my mom had an old ford taurus in the line to pick me up at school all the money all of our money went to my education that was it we ate ramen noodles we lived in a meager home yeah. We couldn't keep up with the Joneses by any means with any of the other people at the school. Nothing, yeah. zero. So I got a good education, let's put it like that. So as I was growing up, uh, mother and father separated when I was like four or five years old. He passed away. My dad passed away of brain cancer when I was eight. She was eight years old. So I remember in those times, because I was born 86 and 36 years old now, I asked my mom for a Nintendo 64. You know, all kids like video games because we can't really drive yeah. yet. You know, we have our, we have our bikes and stuff to bicycle around the neighborhood. But so I asked my mom for an N64. And also when Mario was huge, you know, it's yeah. coming out, the, the new GoldenEye. Yeah, Mario. GoldenEye, Mario. Those are the two games yeah. I wanted. And it was like the Mario in 3D. It was the first 3D. It's like, whoa. Now
0: you look at those graphics, so you're like, it's <laughs> so, yeah. so bad. So see, I'm older. I can even go back to asking for a Sega and bro, an bro, bro, Atari. Bro.
1: I still had a Sega Genesis and Atari, yeah. and I had Duck Hunter. No, yeah. we both had Duck Hunter. Yeah, yeah. In two D trackpad. Yeah, yeah. All that. that. I had all that. But remember, this was Biz when is laughing this is when I wanted I wanted the N64, right? The the new new system.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Wave Runner, Goldeneye, all that. stuff. Yeah. So my mom looks at me and goes. Jay, anything you want in this life, you're going to have to get on your own. I can't afford it. And I was like, I, me- I remember looking up at her, and, and I was like, okay. I mean, as a kid, you're not going to be like, oh, we didn't have money normally. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'll figure out a way. I really want this game system. Yeah. I want this game console. You know. So that day, I jump on my mom's off-brand e-machine computer because we couldn't afford the Dell, yeah. you know, the nice one. Or yeah, We had the 56K dial-up modem, DSLR just come out.
0: AOL 2.0. Yeah,
1: we couldn't get that. Yeah. We, got the, we had the dial-up modem. Yeah. So I got on there, I printed off car wash flyers, car wash flyers, and I put them on. I went, I went around the whole neighborhood and I put them on every door in the neighborhood. Scotch tape and flyers car wash and I put $8 with a little menu on it. I made it up myself in my head right then and there. Yeah, use your water. I bring my own soap. So long story short, that progresses. Let's go from eight years old to let's just say 10, 12 years old now. Now I'm mowing lawns and washing cars. The whole neighborhood knows me. I got a bicycle with a red wagon. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating with you. Yeah. A red wagon, and I have a rope that I tied to the wagon, and I pulled this wagon from the seat chair of my bike to people's houses. I'd strap lawn lawnmower on my wagon, and I'd bring my lawnmower to people's houses. Yeah, I mowed lawns for twenty-five dollars. Those were the good old days when you could yeah. do that. I mowed people's lawns, washed cars. I didn't really have a childhood or a life. I did to an extent, but not like normal kids. Yeah, I saved up. by the time I turned 15
0: Damn, that's impressive
1: Stole my mom's car When she wasn't around She had a Buick Regal at this point in life Took my buddies On the weekend We'd drive to Ardmore, Oklahoma No license, no licenses I had an ID card And I drove to Ardmore, Oklahoma To a public auto auction that I found Heard some guy talking about it This is back in the days of the green sheet for any viewers that don't know what the green sheet is, if you're yeah. younger, the green sheet was your Craigslist back then. Mm-hmm. So what I did was, I bought cars at this public auto auction. I brought them to my back to my mom's house. My buddies and I would wash them, detail them with a new finish, NU finish. And I'd put them in the green sheet and I'd sell them. By the time I hit 16, 17 years old, I had about sixty thousand dollars saved up in a shoebox in my closet.
0: So like a point your mom thought you were like selling drugs or something crazy because so she, she sees the cars and so stuff. my mom
1: no so they didn't have cars at this point yet. I almost had the cars. I'm yeah. almost I'm almost there. So at this point I have a lot of connections in the car world, right? I'm buying and selling cars. When I'm 14, 15, 16 years old now, I'm buying and selling cars, buying and selling cars, bringing cars from the auction, selling them. My mom finds this shoebox. It was, it was in a shoebox with another shoebox on top of it. With then shoes in it. My mom was cleaning crap out of this closet that I had she had her old crap in there anyway. Yeah. Dumps my shoebox over and there's nothing but money everywhere. So I get home, my mom is counting money on my bed. And I walk in, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, where did you get all this money? I'm like, don't touch my money. It's my money. I've, I've saved since eight years old. Yeah, I have plans with that money. Don't touch that money. So I told her, yeah, she asked me if I was selling drugs. She asked me what I was doing yeah. and everything. And I'll be honest with you, man, to this day, not a lot of people can say this. I haven't touched a drug in my whole life, nothing. I've never tried weed, nothing, nothing. So something that I knew I needed to stay away from because I have addictive personality. Yeah. If I like closets, well, I'm going to drink it all the time, hint, hint. Yeah. If I like cigars, I'm going to smoke them. So I was like, I'm just going to stay away from drugs because I heard people say they're awesome. So I'll stay away from drugs. Yeah. So I'm making connections in the car world, and I hear about this guy named Sandy. Said uh, located at Northwest Highway 35. And he has this skyline. And I'm like, ooh, I know what that is. I know what skylines are. How people don't know what skylines yet. Fast and Furious has not come out yet. Yeah. We're close. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. It's almost there, but people don't know about skylines. You do in Japan, you do all over. You know, if you're, if you're a real tuner kid, a real racer, you know what skylines are. So Sammy, my buddy Bobby that I knew at the time, brought me over to Sammy's shop. Sure enough, he had three R33 GTSTs sitting there. Now, if people don't know what Skylines are, these are these are the Mustang GT of Japan. It's all it yeah. is. And these are the rear-wheel drive turbo models. These are not the GTRs. We'll get to that. And I go there, and I'm looking, and he's like, can buy one of these. No title, no nothing. It's right-hand drive. Not legalized, not legal for the U.S. roads, nothing. So I made a deal with him, got that first Skyline for $14,700 with the work-equipped super chrome wheels that I wanted. (laughs) So I brought that Skyline home. My mom's house, put in the garage. Mom was pissed off I bought this car I couldn't do anything with, but it was my money. My money. So, now I took this skyline to car shows. No one else had a skyline. I like to be different. I like to be unique. Yeah. You know, I don't have a Submariner. I have a Deep Sea. Everyone has a Submariner. I bought the Deep Sea, you know? So, I was like, started bringing these, these uh, car, the skyline that I had to shows. Now, I got crowds of people around this car. Where the hell did you get that? How did you get that? Obviously it's not from here, it's right hand drive. How'd you get that here? Well, I knew there was a guy that Sammy knew that brought him in and Bobby and Sammy, my buddy, talked. Bobby told me, yeah, the guy's name's Krem, Solar Imports. And I said, so I found through the car scene who this guy Krem was. So I went directly to the source and I said, man, you're bringing in these Skylines? He's like, yeah, I gotta bring them in as parts. I got to bring them as parts. I can't bring them as whole cars.
2: That's it's what I heard. That's the only way you can do them. You had to piece them up. That was back in the in. day.
1: Right. That was back right. in the day. Right. So he brought in rolling chassis in one container and engines in another. Then you got to re-put them together when you get here. Yep. Totally technically illegal, but it's a loophole. So it was a legal loophole. So I bought this Skyline. And then at this time, there was a guy named Wasabi Racing. Chris Mahalovich owned Wasabi Racing. This is a grown man. I'm 16 years old. This grown man is offering to trade me this 2004 or 2000, no, 2004. Yeah. I'm like 17 years old, maybe. Wants to trade me this brand new STI. It's all souped up, full bolt ons, for my Skyline. No title. Like, you wanna trade me a $40,000 car with mods for this car I got for $14,000? No. Sounds too good to be true. No, 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 I'm not gonna do that. But I can get you one, that's what I said to him. Fast Four Wheels JDM Importing was born. That day, that time. So then word got around, whoa, 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 JJ, you said you could get Chris a Skyline. I said, I can get you a Skyline too? How much? I said, 20 grand. Had a few people pony up the dough, 20 grand. I called Krim, I was like, yo Krim, how many those cars you got? He's like, I just got four, came off the truck today. I was like, came off the container today, off the truck. I was like, cool, I'll go ahead and take two. Well, I brought him the freaking $12,000 he
2: wanted them for him, for each one of them. He made money, turned around, I made eight grand each car. And I was like, all right. So now, what about, was there a cost for reassembly of the car and checking it out and make sure it ran right? Or was that included in the 12 grand? Good question. Car came in like a used car, just like a used car.
1: So I started that service. So now I hook up with my boy. Shout out to German at GS Motorsports in Irving, Okay who I'm still very close friends with to this day, very close friends with German. I love German. Love you to death, German. German took over every car that I got in. Immediately, I had, I had the semi-truck start, the transporters start dropping Skylines off at Germans. They didn't come to my house anymore. They didn't come to me. I sent them to 305 North Delaware in Irving, Texas. So I know the address. I know German's number by heart. Dropped <laughs> them off there. Every one, He serviced fluids, checked them out, fixed them, made sure they were good, gave it back to me, and I had them sold, 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 sold. So now it came down to people bought these cars. I got a couple people that were like, I would want to buy one, but I want to drive it on the road. You know, me being me, I went ahead and drove it on the road, regardless if it had a tag or not, because that's just kind of who I am. Right, I took a tag from my other car and I threw it on my Skyline, which was totally illegal at the time, but things were a lot relaxed back then, you know, and I didn't know the you know, really the grave danger that I was in with no insurance, no nothing at the time. So I now had to figure out how the hell to get these cars legal for the US roads. Yeah, I see your face. <laughs> how did you do that, JJ? How did you get that done? Well, I got it done. I started what's called state titling these cars in states that you could do it in. So now, when I got the cars in Texas, my buddies that I told you that jumped in the car with me no license and went to Oklahoma, now they jumped in the cars with me and we caravanned at nighttime to Mississippi where you could get what's called a VIN verification on a car as long as it had signals, headlights, horn, turn, you know, lights, and they'd issue it a title. So they took the chassis number, stick it on a title, you pay the fee as long as you had a residency there, which I got a residency there, no problem, quickly. Titled the cars, drove them back legally. Then i sold them with a title now i charge another 10 grand so i made i don't know i'm giving you all free game on the numbers here
0: yeah you're making I was, 20 grand of I was car, making, at least i was
1: making 10 to twenty thousand a car now i'm 19 years old i've just sold 52 cars in that year i've made 1.4 million dollars. so now i'm 19 i moved out of my mom's house when i was 17 I got an apartment. My mom and I weren't really getting along. She wanted me to put all my money into retirement. Remember, my mother's older. She had me when she was 42. I have an older sister, that's 17 years older than me, who became a litigation attorney, NYU, NYU law. So I had a big shadow <laughs> film. I'm the black sheep of the family. Always have been, always will be. Sister's smart, mom's smart. So
0: I think there's an argument to be made here. I'm smart too, but I mean, still,
1: I'm not book smart like that. I I hated school. Yeah. I was was rebellious. But it's okay because I was making money. Yeah. Stacking bread.
0: I mean, school's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And there's ways to be very successful, as you're proving right here, right now, with taking a little bit of common sense and going after something you're passionate about. This
2: is a master class right now. This is a master class. (laughs) Wait till we get into real estate taxes
1: and debt because I'm not there yet. Then it becomes a master class. But, so what I did was I started making that money, all right? I'm uh, 19, 20 years old. And I say, I don't need to be renting an apartment anymore. I need to buy a house. My mom told me to buy a house. I said, all right, yes, 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 mom. Good piece of advice. So I turn around, sit $24,000 down on a $174,000 red brick home in West Plano. Remember West Plano was just a suburb. This is 2007 now. Cheap. So we go and buy this little 2,000 square foot red brick home. I only bought it because it had a sliding gate in the back and a driveway. The house had these like subway tile with green and white tile countertops and these nasty cabinets and nasty light wood floor. It was. But you're
0: a 19-year-old kid with your own house. But
1: I'm a 19-year-old with my own house. So now, let's fast forward. I have an Escalade on 26s. I was the first one with 26s in Dallas, Texas, on an Escalade. First one. I had that. I had an NSX, Champion White NSX.
2: What year? What year?
1: 91.
0: I'll show you a yeah. picture when we get done. I Champ- told you you Champion, were going to lose your mind on Champion this
1: Champion White sex. Yes. So keep in mind, Champion White, they only made 200 Champion White. Man, man. I, so I got that car on trade plus my Escalade and my Busa for an R34 GTR that I sold to a guy named Tex in Longview, Texas, plus a cashier's check, $55,000. Man. So I was racking in the money, bringing in cars. Now I'm bringing in cars via California. I got a new connect now. So I'm flying out to L.A. By the way, I was in high school, guys. Yeah. I almost absence failed W.T. White High School. So let's go back to my school real quick. So I was in private school.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This is where we have a lot of mutual friends. I was in private school. Mom
1: said, or yeah, private school. Got out of private school, went to public school for three, four years. Mom told me I was becoming a thug. Put me back in private school, eighth grade. So 8th to 11th grade, I was at Lutheran High School in Dallas. I hated that school, and I hated the people there. And I hope they, I hope one day they see this podcast and know that I, I dislike that school, everything about that school and everything, because I, I don't respect any of them. Some of the people that I met there were good, very few. Other than that, don't respect anybody there. Didn't learn a lot there, to be honest with you. So, went to W.T. White in 11th grade. I withdrew myself from school when I was in, when I was in 11th grade. because so I was missing too many days, wasn't doing my work. So they told, they gave me all these ultimatums. So I said, I'm not coming back. Uh, you get your winter break in December. I said, I'm not going back to that school. It took two months off. Mom was telling me every day I need to enroll in school. I need to get in school, get in school. Finally, I knew I didn't want to be a dropout. I just didn't want to be a dropout. And I was like, all right, I'll get back in school. She enrolls me in WT White High School. I go there, I absence fail. Teachers know I'm smart, love me, respect me, made some friends at that school. I absence fail because I'm going back and forth to LA. I'm making car deals. I'm spending, I spent $109,000 on cars that I'm about to make three, 400,000 on. So I need to go there, get these cars, put them on a semi truck, make the deal, which I did, flew home, started get back in high school, doing my stuff. Nobody knew how old I was. They assumed I just had a baby face. that looked young. I was young. Making deals in L.A. Would come back. Bought a Chrysler 300 right in 05 when they came out mm-hmm. in, a, in 04. I had a 05 Chrysler 300 yeah. seat. I parked, that, I parked that bitch right next to the fucking principal's car. <laughs> in the teacher parking lot of W.T. White. Because I don't want everybody to get mess my shit up. Right? Mm-hmm. So, they call me into school one day. And she goes, I'm sorry. You can't come back here. Love you, J.J., but. You got to go to Texans Can Academy. I said, what's that? What's Texans Can Academy? Oh, that's that school and farmer's branch where the police are at always because it's all the gang member kids and the pregnant girls that go there. So now I go there, now I go there, and I'm not a badass. I don't know how to fight compared to these kids. I don't bring guns and knives to school like these kids. So I said, i to buckle down, do my work, get the hell out of here. I need to get done. So it's 2005. I stayed there for... I stopped buying and selling cars for two months straight. Talked to my counselor, Miss Rodriguez. She said, J.J., if you finish up all your schoolwork to senior, I'll let you out. I said, done. Every day I went to that school, instead of throwing stuff at the teachers, and because you didn't learn shit in that school. It was what you see on Dangerous Minds, movie. It was that, 100%. I was the only white kid in there. I did all my school work quickly, 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 just to get it done, get it done, get it done. Got it done, I said, they're like, all right, we'll come back you know, and walk on the stage. I said, hell no, give me my diploma right now. Out. Finally, I had, to, she had a, I had to convince her, gave me my diploma, bye guys. Put that bitch in the file cabinet, gave it to my mom, put it in the file cabinet, back to LA, back to a guy named Kuniaki that I was dealing with at the time at Wall International. Buying cars. He's importing cars from Japan. Showing up. I want this one, this one, this one, this one. No titles. No problem. No problem. (laughs) So... Then... This guy came up that I met, that I became friends with back in the day. Maybe y'all know of him. His name's Paul Walker. Well, he he had a... uh, he had an R34 Skyline. So at this point, I turned, I was, you know, 19, 20. Well, I bought one too. I had a Bayside Blue, I still have to this day, a Bayside Blue R34 GTR V spec.
0: It's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's in Houston. At my I showed boy, you a picture of it. It's at my
1: boy's shop in Houston right now. I towed it down there myself. Getting some stuff done. Hasn't run in years, because I've been I've not been a priority. I got a Rolls Royce. I have a Lamborghini. I have a whole bunch of cars. I don't need my skyline to work, whatever. So, now I got the Bayside Blue R34. I go meet this guy named Paul Walker, who's doing this movie, Fast and the Furious. He already did one and two. And now he's training for, or they're they're training to drift. So him and this guy named Jason Statham are going to Laguna to learn to drift. And I'm invited, By some people I know out there so I meet Paul Walker and his buddy Richie at this guy, Daryl's office in Orange County. Turns out we sell Daryl, excuse me, we sell Daryl and I in my business part of the time, we sold Paul Walker his R34 GTR V-Spec two, his white one that he's famous for now because he passed away, everybody knows, right? I sold him that car. I titled that car in Mississippi for him. Him and I were buddies. Well he sold his silver R34 GTR to my very good friend, Nick. My very good friend Nick is Hulk Hogan's son. Nick's one of my best friends, shout out to Nick Hogan. We're R34 buddies, we've been friends for probably almost 10 years now. I go see him every time I go to uh, Clearwater, Florida, hang out with Nick, my really good friends. So anyway, at this time, he bought that car from Paul Paul Buck got that other car for me and my business partner, and I'm known in the game of San. Now I'm the guy to go to to get skylines. So at this point in my life, I got a big lifted Dodge truck, along with my Escalade, along with my 34, along with sold my Chrysler 300, and I'm now traveling to go to hot import nights, every show in every city they're at, and I'm setting up a table and I'm bringing my R34 GTR and I'm putting it in the show and people are like. Where did you get this and how'd you get it? And I'm like, right here, bro. JJ Solomon, fast Now people are going to my website and I'm listing every car I got on my website. You don't have these iPhones yet that you can just post and upload. So I'm taking pictures of it with my digital camera, USB drive, uploading them on my big laptop and I'm posting them, uploading them onto my site and I'm putting $85,000, $85,000. I'm buying the cars for 45, 50,000. I'm titling them the titling between us guys that that doesn't cost very much yeah so i'm making 20 30 grand a car now so i was the majority holder of r34 gtrs for a while in the united states i had like seven of them most people have never seen seven r34s and i own seven of them i got s15 sylvia's i got right hand drive supra's i got fdr7's i got everything any kind of jdm car you want I wasn't a big stagia guy, wasn't a big Evo guy, but I had all of it. I had everything. All of it. All every single one. And it's funny too, if you can go back to when I was seventeen. I lived at Amley on Frankfurt. I took up all the guest parking spots with skylines and Sylvia's and the guest parking spots. You pulled into that apartment complex to visit your buddy, you'd see my skyline sitting there. It was crazy. I got pictures of my phone, I'll show you all of them. I'll show you everything after the after the show. You no,
0: know, what's funny is a lot of people think he's bullshitting, and I can guarantee you for a fact, he ain't bullshitting about any of this. It's it's amazing what he accomplished from mom telling him you cannot have this N64 unless you go earn it. And he didn't just stop at the N64; like it built this passion in you to succeed and to create something of your own, which I think is absolutely amazing.
1: So once I created this life that I liked, let's fast forward to the recession. Yeah. Now we get to 2008, 2009, and I got all these R34s mm-hmm. sitting there, that I have my own cash. I don't have, I don't know any, right? This is the years of JJ me. I don't know anything about OPM, other people's money. I don't know about bank loans, lines of credit. I don't know that yet. I'm using my own money, my own capital, to put in all these cars so i got all this money in these 34s these cars uninsured sitting out in the in parking lots and garages and behind my gate in my house and stuff and you know i'm just i'm flipping cars flipping cars flipping cars i'm paying taxes i'm doing what i should you know I'm, how much fast four wheels made but you know that's all i'm doing so the iphone wasn't out yet i had a palm 650 most palm trails yeah. 650s I had a 650 and I had the new 700. I had two phones, you know, I got two phones. I'm pilot. So I remember the day the recession hit in 08, 09. My phone didn't wake me up in the morning. And that was weird. My phone didn't wake me up in the morning. And I thought there's something wrong with my phone. I should have gotten so many different calls right now and I didn't, I went straight to Sprint. I had Sprint service at the time. This was 2007, eight, right around there. And I had them check, ping my phone, send me all these things. I was like, something's wrong with my phone. It's not working. They're like, sir, your phone's working perfectly fine. People weren't calling anymore to buy these expensive ass cars.
0: Yeah. So I lost my concrete business because like so it just went downhill.
1: I had this this house. I was chartering planes to Las Vegas with my friends. I had sushi and donuts in the plane.
0: Flying. <laughs> sushi and Donuts. I'd have That's girls. So JJ.
2: I'd have
1: girls with me. I'd have I have a little entourage my friends. This is back in the day where I only wore collar Gucci shirts, Prada shirts. I had a Jacob the World Is Yours watch. Because Jeezy said it and Trapstar that song. I had TRPSTR on the back of my Escalade with my 26s. I had to, everywhere, I, I had bottles every weekend at Mantis and Cameo, the clubs back in the day on Main Street, Emil, I don't even think Emil knew that I was underage at the time, but it didn't matter. I had all this, I had, this, I had wads of money. All these, these girls would pile out of my Escalade, pile in and out of my Escalade to go into the club and I had tables, but I didn't want my lifestyle to stop. Who would? It was amazing, it was amazing, it was so much fun. So I was like, nah, this'll blow over, this'll blow over. Well, my account went from $900,000 cash liquid in it and all my cars sitting outside, to still the cars sitting outside, no one's buying them, to $136,000. I remember the day my account hit 136 and I was like, oh my God, I'm almost out of money. That to me, like, you know, six figures in the bank. You know, with this, doing this, like, what do you have? You don't have anything. So I almost couldn't buy cars anymore, you know, cause I'd spend a hundred grand on cars like that. And then my money would be replenishing all the time. So for the first time in my life, I got down to my houses in foreclosure. <laughs> I got no money. I can't pay the gas bill in the winter time. Now I learn. you gotta save money for a rainy day. Now I learn these things. So this humbled me. I went from poor to nothing, to semi-rich as a kid. Now to nothing. I had all my cars, I had my escalator, I had everything. I got my house. I got my house out of foreclosure. This is when Fast Four Wheels Auto Repair, Body Shop and all this was born. Because I thought to myself, like a haircut, even though I got no hair now, I thought, what does everybody need all the time? I was like, Auto repair, I need brakes, I need oil change, I need all this stuff. That's when it was born. So I took the rest of the money that I had, opened an auto shop immediately, started being my own service advisor because I knew about cars. That's where I went down that road. Things picked back up, 2011, started selling cars again. I sold those cars, to not a loss, but got my money out of them. But then I was like, man, I can't just rely on one business anymore. I gotta diversify. So now I was like, man, it would be great if I had another house and I could rent it out. So up and came buying rent houses. So that's how that real estate part of my life was born. That, that winter time of 2010 in Dallas was a horrible winter. We had a summer like we did this year, 110 degrees. We had a horrible winter with ice and all that stuff. That winter I couldn't turn the gas on in my house because I had gone three months and I came out a $1,000 and then they cut it off and I needed to pay it $1,000 before anything. I didn't have the money. So, me and my two dogs would cuddle up and I'd, I had a space heater that was electric and I'd heat up my room at nighttime. My house was at 57 degrees, it was horrible. Cool. And I told myself, I will never be in this position again where I can't pay my bills. Living a lavish lifestyle to so can't pay my bills.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty hard gut check. I mean when you go from flying in private planes to Vegas and Cali and you're just partying and bottle service and everything else and you have all these amazing cars.
1: I don't think I'll ever do bottle service again because I'm burned out. <laughs> I bought so many bottles, I don't even care anymore. Once in a Blue Moon and I go to Vegas or something, maybe I'll get a bottle with my friends and stuff, but I don't I don't care about that stuff anymore. Yeah. Like I wear a Classic Rolex. Now I don't care about that big diamond. I had to pay eighty-six thousand dollars for that watch. Well,
2: that's 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 evolution and maturity. That's exactly that's exactly what that is. Then they're done. That's why I'm sitting here sitting like, wow, I I really know what you're saying. It's but you know one thing is to go through it to learn from it. You know what not to do. You 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 have to go
1: through it.
0: Yes, to learn. And it's someone that's only high school educated like myself. Like you know, I see that.
1: I, I did some quad C. I did, I did yeah, some but I'm saying, like, but... I
0: mean, like, you didn't, you know, you're not like some Ivy leaguer nope, or something like that. Like, you talked of hard about knots. your, yeah, and you yeah. talked about your sister who went down that path. She's done all that. She did all that. You chose a different path. And not right or wrong, Mm-mm. which a lot of people get hung up on. They just think different they roads. Have to do no, that. Just different and, roads. And you're a livi- another living example of you don't have to do all this. Not at all. Find something you're passionate about and that you can be really good at. And even when you fail, like, cause you're gonna fail at some point, like there's gonna be a recession or a hard time. How do you recover from that? And what are the lessons you learned? So like, so, so you're already like, I mean, I've hardly had to ask any questions. This is amazing. Like this is one of my favorite interviews. Like <laughs> you're just giving all of these great nuggets of information of like how you change to that. Like how, but how did your mindset change? Like, I mean, other than having everything taken away from you Did you have a moment where you're like, oh shit, this is it, like I've failed, like I'm not gonna get that back? Or did you instantly go, because I I think this is more where you went, like, all right, this sucks. Yes, I'm failing right now. Yes, everything is horrible. No, this isn't the end. Now I gotta figure out a way to do it better. Not, Not just quit. Not quit, not throw in the towel, not, Never. hey, this is, this is it. I fucked up. I failed. Any of that, you just said, like, yeah, this sucks, and you owned it. Like, you know, like, a lot of people don't do that today. Like, own that you fucked up, own that you failed, and then figure out how to go from there and, and take that as life-building blocks and that you learned a lesson.
1: So that's right now for me. Not right now that I failed and fucked up this economy. You know what I just taught myself? This is my next lesson that I taught myself. Cause you'll never stop learning. And I taught myself. So in the hot, so let's back up a little bit. Uh-huh. Two years ago, 21. Interest rates were at a historic low. We still had the momentum from when Trump was in office in 20. Yeah. Biden's stupid policies have not kicked in yet and come in yet. That kind of hit in, in early 22. So you still had that momentum going. And what happened was I had a lot of money, a lot of cash. And I did know in 2020 when Biden got elected, I said to myself, I know shit's gonna hit the fan. I need to start taking my cash and paying off some stuff. Cause I had 12,000 in car notes a month. Uh, and I had my summer home mortgage in New York, my mortgage here, and my uh, no, no, another mortgage in another house that I had. So I had, uh, I had thirty thousand easy in bills a month that I had to cover, and I used I used to make 50,000 a month, no problem. And uh, I've dropped my bills down a lot because I knew the income was going to drop. Thank God I did that, or I wouldn't have all my stuff still. So, right now I just learned, I sold off all my all my real estate and all my commercial real estate in twenty one, made a lot of money. But I turned around and I stuck the money into, paid off all my trucks in my trucking business, so I didn't have the payments. Paid off a lot of my tow trucks. Paid off my Rolls Royce. Put money back into my house. You know, fixed up some stuff. Yeah, I should have done that, but I should have kept a couple hundred grand liquid. I didn't do that. I'll never make this mistake ever again. Because what I'm learning right now is, even though I make six figures a year, no problem still, I'm not paycheck to paycheck, but it's close. So I learned now that I should have cashed out, and put the money back into real estate when it was low and kept rolling to get the income, to have the uh, passive income now and I didn't do that. So it's all right, I have other investments, other money's coming back to me end of this year or next year, (coughs) excuse me. And so when it does, first thing I'm doing is buying more houses and another storage unit, another storage facility. So that's literally, I've been looking at storage facilities, looking at them, I'm putting a fund together right now, other people's money and my own, to jump back in it. And I know now what to keep, what not to keep. Second lesson, second recession. Now I'm bulletproof. Now I know what to do. Now I know where to diversify and what to do, so
0: that's awesome man like that's there's so many great lessons in this to unpack like i almost don't even know where to begin um so let's go back to that i mean when when you failed let's go to the first recession when you failed then couldn't
1: pay my gas bill thousand dollars. couldn't
0: pay your thousand dollar gas bill when you were spending thousands of dollars on outfits partying whatnot just weeks prior
1: not weeks months months sure months months, weeks Yep. yep
0: wherever you're at yep how did you maintain the mentality of not being this is it and throwing in the towel and going and getting a nine to five or doing any of these other things that a lot of people would do to say, no, I'm, I'm just going to buckle down and figure this out.
1: So there's nothing wrong with at that point going and getting a nine to five. And I probably should have done that. I should have gone out and got a nine to five right then and there part time or something. Just have some money coming in, like my groceries come in, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But I didn't do that. Instead, like at that point, you know, I had trucks. I had different things. I had assets that I could use to make money. Now, if you don't have those assets, or things like that to make money, just turn around and go grab a nine to five and just, just know, like, it's not... It's not game over until you're until you stop trying. It's yeah. so like even right now that I'm I'm down right now from what I was when this all happened with Biden. The second Biden got in office, in our fuel in the towing community, in the trucking community, our fuel went up by three times, two times. I had it, one of my drivers called me and said, "Hey, filled up the truck, cool." Now, when are we getting our paychecks? I said, oh, tomorrow, Friday, cool. That next day, I owed my driver $1,057. And the, the deposit into the business account from the trucking business was $26 and change. That's when I called all my guys and I said, guys, I'm sorry to say, park the trucks. We're done. That's why if you look at the news right now, Yellow, that big company, they 109 years they've been in business in trucking, they just went out of business. When the day that I surrendered my US DOT number, there was 360 other palm and pop trucking companies that surrendered theirs as well that day. Every week there's more that surrender their DOT numbers. Why do you think food's so expensive right now? Yeah, it's inflation, but at the end of the day, how much does it cost to get it from point A to point B? Freight, refrigeration, everything, cost has gone up. Problem is, everything's gone up, but you can only pay so much for it. They're not paying truck drivers, big companies, much. So if you're not a big company like Stevens Transport that does refrigerated only, CR England, Prime, Swift, those companies that have millions and billions of dollars that can weather the storm, that have their own insurance companies that get... off of fuel because they're buying a million dollars in fuel a day for all their trucks from these big companies. You don't have that, you can't contend, can't do it. So I shut down the trucking company and I damn near shut down the towing company. I got like two trucks running out of the eight, nine that I have, I got a small yard in Denton bringing cars, not making me money right now. My restaurant's breaking even, not making too much money I bought that because all my other businesses were flowing so well that I could break even on the restaurant because with certain businesses that you buy that are new and if people don't understand business, usually on a business like that, year four is your profit, is when you're profitable. You got all your loans taken care of, you got everything paid off and you're still using all your equipment. Right now, I still got my restaurant, I'm still paying off debt, I'm still paying off different things. So year four is when all the debts paid off everything and you got clientele that knows who you are now, they're coming to you regularly, you're known in the area and everything. So don't me wrong, Fat check's awesome. But like at the end of the day, we're not sitting here making Buku's money. So right now I'm making very little money opposed to what I was making. So it's a good thing that I in 2020, 2021, I said, I need, I need to get some of my bills, my expenses down. Cause if I didn't, I'd have to sell my Rolls Royce. I'd have to sell my Lamborghini. I'd have had to sell my big badass house and all that stuff. So I was smart, but I didn't have enough to do what I wanted to do and maintain the lifestyle that I have, have. So I've had to cut corners here and there. A lot of my rich friends that are, you know, make me look poor, they've had to cut some corners here and there, you know, overall, I go to this uh, Korean barbecue spot in Frisco called Jen. You ever heard of Jen?
0: They're I've heard of it. I see you post about it all, all the time.
1: time. I go to Korean Barbecue all the time. I'm a, I'm a huge foodie. It's one of my things. I travel to eat. I love food. I love to eat different things. Different yeah. genres of food. They're down 13% this, this year. 13%. And he's doing an IPO. He's about to go public with his company, Mr. Kim. He's about to go about to go public. Can't go public this year because everything's down. So a lot of things are going on right now in this economy, in this world. It's crazy you just got to weather the storm and you got to know that it's going to get better and if it doesn't get better you have to change like a chameleon your the what you're doing in order to fit what's going on so for instance you know i look at other business opportunities every day you're going to change industries it's all good i got a buddy that does insurance he's like jj you know so many people so many so many people with money I need, you to help, I need you to get insurance license and help me sell annuities, life insurance, blah, blah. I said, all right, Ty, I'll go ahead and do that, my buddy Ty. So I partnered with Ty. I got my insurance license recently, and I'm helping him gather people that are doing annuities are doing life insurance, learning that business. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop a auto repair business. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop Body Shop. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop my exotic rental business. I do that too. I do exotic rentals. Those are down, super down. Who's paying $1,500 to rent Lamborghinis right now? Not my Lamborghini. We have other Lamborghinis that I own as well. that We do. with, yeah. Right. But it's everything's down right now. So you have to adapt to what's going on. The people that like you said earlier, when you said to me, how did you not just throw in the towel and quit? I didn't. Instead of quitting, I had to shift. I had to adapt. I had to move. Yeah. Right. So that's what it's about. It's all about that. Bus- being in business is like that. Your economic trends They change, right? They change. If you learn anything, study anything, study macroeconomics, right? Figure out the trends, figure out the change. Talk to people that are older. A lot of my friends, I'm 36. A lot of my friends are 60, 50, 60. They tell me, this is exactly what happened in the 70s. This is exactly what happened in the 70s. We're doing it again. They know what to do. They remember this. They said, oh yeah, Yeah. we did this already. Yeah. We know what's going to happen. I don't know. So when they tell me this, I listen. I don't listen to a lot of people about things. I listen to people that are successful and they've done it. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm going to, I'm gonna listen, to I'm gonna listen to a sportscaster about the Cowboys, right? Because he knows about football and probably about the Cowboys. I don't know more than he does. Right. But I'm not going to listen to my mom about it. She doesn't know anything about football.
0: Right. Right. So where, where, are you, where do you lean outside of your network to gain information, to learn about trends, about other business opportunities? What, how do you approach that?
1: So one thing that I do, I'm an old soul. I watch the news every night, which I'm weird about. I watch local news because it's our local economy. But I also watch what's going on in the world. I always keep up with that. Um, I talk to people that are smarter than me. I surround myself. I don't surround myself with anybody, like let's, let's be real here for a second, like not when I'm real for a second, I'm gonna be real real. I don't have friends that bring me nothing, of no value in life. If you're my friend, if we hang out, when we hang out, we're talking money, we're talking business, we're talking cars, we're talking politics, we're talking about things that matter. I'm not gonna sit here and talk about the bricks on the wall or how good that cigar is. Yeah, it's a good cigar. Yeah. Cool. I don't care about that. Yeah. And if that's all you're bringing to the table, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fucking with you. Yeah. I only talk with people and surround myself with people that, for the most part, are doing better than me. You got some that don't. I got a lot of people I mentor that I give this free game to. Like I had an Uber driver that dropped me off one night at my Rolls Royce, and he goes, "Whoa, bro, is that your car?" I said, "Yes, yeah, my car." And he goes. Bro, I need to get your phone number. We need to meet up for lunch. I'll buy you lunch. Like, I need to talk to you. That guy listened to what I said, and he's buying houses right now. He's getting rich. He's in his 20s. Smart guy. Yeah. I'm about to put a mentor program out there. I'm going to start mentoring people. Awesome. It's it's going to be a monthly thing. Yeah. But it's going to be people that can sit down with me and actually I can go, Okay, these are the steps to getting wealthy. It's going to take some time. I'm here to answer all the questions. and I'm here to give you my people. I got a guy for mortgages, I got a guy for credit, I got a guy for this, I can help you with debt, I can help you do this, I can help you, I can tell you rate debt ratios, I can tell you what to pay off, what not to pay off. I'm smart, I know what to do, I've done this a million times. So anyway, I surround myself with people that have been successful, are successful, and can give me knowledge or give me something to think about what they do, you know? Yeah, I don't surround myself with anybody that's doesn't nice bring value to my life. And that's not being selfish or shitty, but like at the same time, like everything that I say, I say has value. Someone's going to talk to me, they're going to know instantly. I may not look like I'm educated. I may not look like I'm smart. A lot of people underestimate me. If you don't see the car I pull up in or maybe the watch I wear or the shoes I have on, you don't turn around and think, oh, this guy has some money or he's successful. You think I'm just some, maybe some dumb kid with tattoos. Cool. I don't care. I care what you think. Yeah. But I surround myself with people that know more, and the people that do know more, I listen to. So I listen to my friends that are lawyers, financial advisors. I listen to them because they know more than I do about those subjects. Yeah. They may absolutely. not be a hundred percent right, but I'm at least going to take their advice over somebody that doesn't know anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right? No. that's it. It's that circle you run around with. It's that those people that you—that
1: is the truest thing you can ever be have, in is the circle you
0: run around with. Have in your ear the people that you're watching, the people that you're admiring. Yep. Like, don't just sit and look at your fucking Facebook and your Instagram and, oh, that person has this because you don't know what that person went through. Social to media. Get is, it.
1: Social media is the biggest, the biggest lie in the world. Yeah. You have all these people that try to promote them that they're happy when they're not. And they try to promote that they're better and and successful to people that they hate. If you look at my social media, there's some stuff on there that shows a couple of my cars, a couple of my stuff. But I don't post a lot. You I have don't. stories, stories yeah. of like what I do and like what I do and stuff like that, but I don't turn around and put my entire life in social media. Y'all know about Pop Smoke? You know, Pop Smoke is the rapper. Yeah. So I'm in the music industry too. He I does. I rap. I rap. I rap I, I uh I have music, I'll be on Spotify this year actually. Um, all, my, all my music is coming out this year. Um, one of my best, one of my, one of my good friends uh, is DJ Paul, 36 Mafia. He's a legend. Everybody knows yeah. 36 Mafia. Paul is a good friend of mine, um, and a Computer, who's their DJ, he's one of my best friends. And they got me into the music scene industry, and I have their people and stuff. And um, Pop Smoke put his whole life on social media. If you look back and see why Pop Smoke, like the reason why he got killed, he got robbed. She was in a brand new Range Rover posting money. He got followed in L.A. back to his house the Airbnb was staying at and he got killed. I don't put my life on social media. If I'm going yeah. on vacation, I'll post the vacation photos when I get home. After. Yeah. After. If you ever coming to my house, you're getting that Glock 45 right to you. And my Rottweiler is going to tear you up when you come in the house coming for me. Come for that money.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're putting all that stuff out there, I mean, there's two different ways of looking at it. I mean.
1: I drive a Rolls-Royce every day. It's funny because people sit there and go, you're retarded for driving that car. I'm like, that's cool. When I drive that car, I got a Glock 357 in my glove box or in Texas. And I swear to God, anybody ever runs up on me that comes in correct, I have no problem using it. Yeah. No one's getting over on me like Pop Smoke, 100%. I know, I know the attention that I get at the gas station. I, I watch my back. That's another reason why I like being a big guy. I'm not the most fit guy in the world or the biggest guy ever, but at the same time, you're gonna think twice before you're gonna go and rob me.
0: Yeah.
2: And if
1: you are, you got some guts, you better have three or four people out there because I'm gonna try to shoot every one of you. And I'm, gonna, and I'm not afraid, I'm gonna grab you, I'm gonna fight you, I'm gonna take you down. I fought semi-pro for five years. I did jujitsu, Muay Thai. I cage fought Lions Den and Addison. I was more fit and shape back then. But
0: I remember those days. Yeah, you try
1: to take my stuff though, man. I'm, I'm, I'll come, my little my, my, my hood side will come out. My non-private school side will come out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, w T White come come. W T White will come
1: out at you. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah.
0: I went to the colony, so I can say that I had lots of battles with W T White playing baseball and stuff.
1: Didn't we beat you guys every time?
0: Yeah, I mean, y'all had some pretty solid baseball <laughs> players. I mean, a couple <laughs> famous guys. I mean, Oh,
1: Brian Holiday?
0: Yeah, Brian Holiday. You had... Uh, I went to... God, what's the guy that, play, that pitched for the Cubs forever? I mean, y'all had that dude through, like, Carrie Wood. Yeah. Y'all had Carrie Wood, man. That dude threw 100 miles an hour in high school. But Brian and I didn't get along very well. I think his girlfriend or something, and
1: I flirted. He hated me. Yeah. He sat at the table in the... Corner with all the kids, a couple of his friends, and our friends. You know who came out of uh JT White that's kind of famous now? Who's that? Johnny Simmons, it's a buddy of mine. Yeah,
0: he's an actor.
1: He was in uh Evan Almighty, the oldest okay. son. Okay, he was in Megan's Body, the movie. Okay, Johnny Simmons, that's my buddy. It's crazy. I'm proud of that's Johnny. cool,
0: man. I'm proud of Johnny.
2: So, what do you see if you're still doing cars now? He's alluding something? to it. I'm a. I'm a car. No, <coughs> you gotta speak so, up because this fan over here. Oh, I can hear me here myself, but y'all can hear me. So, in the world of cars and, and things like that, in this economy, <coughs> and in the way people look at cars, chip shortages, all this other stuff. Yep. has that pretty much come to a halt right now?
1: So the chip shortage, man. We're, we're kind of back on. We're kind of back on track with that. Um, anytime you get behind, right? Think about it. We got. We got what let's look at it like this right anytime you get back be- let's say you get behind on money how fast do you get behind on bills right you can get behind on bills in one month right oh yeah, yeah. and it takes you six months to a year to climb out of that hole right correct <coughs> same thing with that chip shortage took us what six months a year to get behind gonna take us two three years to catch up right
2: we're at what the two-year mark now yep <coughs> we got another about a year to go and we'll be we'll be, we'll be right back there I was able so to sell car- my car because it, I, I went to go get an oil change and they looked at me and looked at all the shit that I did to my car and they was like, would you sell that? I'm like, hell no, this is my baby. And they you say, know why they also want you to sell
1: it though?
2: They want you, not to. Not, it's not about getting a new
1: model <coughs> and them taking your car and, you know, you get a new model because most people look at it and go, ooh, I can get a new car. Yeah, now you're in new debt. Not well, they just know.
2: wanted the car. They didn't even care about... So they wanted the car because there was three the car cars on the lot.
1: Of course. But also, you're going to finance a new car, right? No.
2: Had another one. They just <coughs> wanted the car and walked <coughs> away. But their goal, not only to put your car in the lot to market up... They wanted to flip me into something else. Why?
0: Interest rate. Interest
2: okay. rate. The finance.
1: When you go to a car dealership to this day and you say... I'm going to buy that charger right there. I want that Hellcat charger. They go, okay, yeah. Come on, man. Come sit down at my desk. And you go, how much is it? $90,000. I want to pay cash. They're like, they don't want that. If I pay cash, you get a better deal, right? They're like, no. <coughs> that used to be the way it was. Now it's not. They want the interest rate, the points. They'll say, we'll give you a better deal if you finance it. Why? So they can make the points on the finance, so the finance guy can make those points. And it's not finance, it's finance. Yeah, F and I. But that's why. That's why they want to flip you a new car. Yes, partially because of the chip shortage. It It was for that reason. But all history now, it's because they want to get you a new car, to get you in that new debt, to get you on those payments most people don't turn around and go when i get my car paid off i'm going to keep it some people do and if so they're going to keep for six months a year and they go "Ooh, i want to get me a new car new car new new debt now you got new debt i want a new rolls royce ghost i have a 2016 rolls royce ghost i've had that car for five years i love that car I don't want a new Rolls Royce payment. I'm not buying a new Ghost for another probably a year or two. So I get out of this, out of all this economy crap, we start, we start going up again instead of de- decline again. Then I'll get one. And Am I gonna buy it cash? No. Why would you do that?
2: Cash flow. You're gonna
1: sink money into something that's gonna depreciate? That's stupid. It's dumb. I'm gonna take my cash and I'm gonna put it down on some houses. See, the difference in the mind is this. Everybody wants a Range Rover, a Rolls Royce, whatever, Let's, whatever it is. Let's say you want a Range Rover, it's more, uh, more re- realistic. I buy a Range Rover for tax reasons and I buy a Range Rover because I can turn around and I can finance this car and it's gonna go down in value and I don't have all this money tied up in it. I'm gonna take that money and I'm gonna buy three houses those three houses are gonna produce income. I'm gonna buy the Range Rover, put it in that LLC's name that I have. So now I got no tax on that. I'm gonna make off these houses that year and the houses are gonna pay for my Range Rover. Do you want me to explain that?
0: Yeah, explain it for people so that everybody really understands what you're doing here. So it's, and co- it's, and it's, and it's not just a Range Rover because it's a weight class. Correct. Correct.
1: It's called 6, accelerated 000. depreciation. If it's over 6,000 pounds, you can take the cost of that vehicle not what you put down on it. The total cost of the vehicle you can yeah. use in that year, that whole year, for that fiscal year, that tax year. So I buy a Range Rover every couple years because I gotta write off taxes. So I'm gonna go buy, I have, a big, I have a big black badass autobiography Range Rover, $170,000, $150,000 Range Rover. And I bought that and I put up my towing company's name. Why? So I put $3,000 down on the Range Rover. Like, what do you wanna put down? I said, nothing. Like, Sir, you got to put something down. I said, No, I don't. I've got a 780 credit score. I'm going to put down anything. Like, if you put down something, it look better for the bank. I said, All right, $1,000. They were like, <laughs> Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to tie my money up in a car. He's like, Why, man, you're a car guy? I was like, Ah, oh, you're a finance guy. Shut up, man. You're talking to the, you're talking to the wrong dude here. <laughs> put three grand down on my Range Rover. I wrote off 150,000 in taxes that year, so that income that I was gonna have to pay taxes on, enough to do it. The towing company paid the payment on the Range Rover, 1,500 bucks a month, right? Two thousand dollars a month, and I wrote off the rest of the tax. That's legal. You can do that. I'm just taking advantage of the tax code, like Donald Trump does, like Jeff Bezos does. So. Let's say that I go buy, let's say that I want to buy a new Rolls-Royce Ghost, right? I yeah. want a new Rolls-Royce Ghost. I do. All right. And I'm going to buy another $400,000 car. Well, number one, I'm not paying sales tax on you going to put three down on that? I'm going to put anything down on that. Nothing, zero. I'm going to sell my Ghost outright, take the cash, put it in my pocket, invest in, some, invest in commercial real estate or houses or something. I'm going to put zero down on this new ghost and have a five, $6,000 payment.
0: Do you put the houses in your LLC as well?
1: So in Texas, we have what's called a Texas Series LLC that you can you can do. So that means you can put 10 houses in one LLC, a Texas Series LLC. So I'm going to put these houses in the Series LLC. You can put 10 of them in. And I'm going to buy 10. But in order to buy 10, they go, mortgage company says, no, no, no you need to have a lease for each one. So you buy one, lease it out, show them the lease. Once you show them the lease, washes the debt, now you can buy the next one, boom. Put it in the same LLC, in a series LLC. So let's say I buy 10, and I say I rent them all out and I have $1,000 that's coming to me on top of the mortgages. Well, my that Rolls payment's $5,000 a month, right? Cool, well I'm gonna pay tax on the income that's coming, right? Wrong. I'm gonna buy that Rolls Royce, I'm gonna put I'm going to use that Rolls Royce to drive around and do what I need to do business-wise, right? So I'm, every day I'm driving. I'm not driving to go to lunch with some girl or something. I'm driving to freaking go to Home Depot or I'm going to my property manager's office or I'm going to do something that's for my business. If so I'm doing something, I'm doing something productive to work. I don't just hang out. I don't just do anything. Like, I came here today to talk to people about business and money and all this. I'm doing something productive today. I'm not doing something for no reason today. Absolutely. So I'm going to drive this vehicle where I need to go. Right. So when I drive this vehicle, I'm not going to just pay that from my income. I'm going to write that off. I now have no income tax to pay And my business. The $10,000 a month coming in from the houses, pay Rolls Royce payment or a Range Rover payment or whatever the hell I buy. And I got income coming in from that too. So I make some money and pay the payment of the car that I want. Right. Makes sense. Right, smart. A lot of people, they sit there and they go, oh, I want a Rolls Royce. They become a rapper, they get this check for a million dollars from your producer for when you get signed on your first label. And they go take that money and go buy a Rolls Royce. When I want to buy a Rolls Royce or a Range Rover or a Lamborghini, I turn around and I buy an asset that's gonna pay me Then I buy that car that I want.
2: And I put it in the asset name
1: and the asset pays for the vehicle.
2: But now when you say the discipline that has to be learned for this to work is patience. Correct. Because everybody think it's by next Wednesday, I'm going to go to the lot and you go get...
0: You're the, right. Get I'm going to go them. buy this car and I'm going right. to buy this house. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's, it's
2: the, the gratification of... Instant work, gratification. Work, yes. Instant gratification. And that's the
1: problem with social media and Gen Z and all these kids and stuff. They see everything. Immediately you can snap your fingers and see everything. Beautiful women cars, private planes, all right on social media. So you think, oh, this is available to me now, tomorrow. It's not. Buy the asset, get it working. It can be as quick as six months if you, if you, if you do your homework, talk to a guy like me, buy a mentor program like a, guy, like a guy like me that can set you up on what to do. So once you have three, four houses, you have that passive income, and you still have your day job, which is no shame. no shame in that game, You can now afford the car that you want. Now, if you want to get real smart, don't buy that car you want. Take that money that's coming in, buy another asset. Then you leverage the assets you have, right? Pull the equity out of them. Take that money, buy another asset, then buy a car. I got a friend named Brett Tibbetts. And he's a newer friend of mine. I don't know him super well, but he has storage facilities, just three of them. He went from one to now three, and he just bought his wife an F8 Ferrari, bought himself a Lamborghini Aventador SVJ, and mm. he's building his dream house right now. You know why? He's an older guy. He did it right. Took a little bit, he did it right. Only took him a couple years. What's a couple of years for the rest of your life? What is a couple years for the rest of your life? Another thing too is, let's, let's go back to when I lived in that red brick house, right? So that red brick house, I lived in the house for 12 years, till till 2018. It took me to 2018 to buy a million dollar home, plus million plus dollar home. I had a Lamborghini, an SL63, an S63, a Raptor, all my other cars that I had too, my Skylines, all my other stuff. And one day I came home and I was like, I'm living in this red brick house and I got a Lambo, two Mercedes, AMG Mercedes, this Raptor, payments on everything, a mortgage to the hills. And I got this house that you never see a Lambo in this neighborhood. It's time I had the house that went with the cars, right? So I want to wanna be hood rich my whole life. So I sold the Lamborghini. I sold the SL63. I was about to sell the S63, but my girlfriend wrecked it, totaled it mm. while I was in New York, working on one of my investment properties. I had one up there. And then I took the Raptor and I said, hey girlfriend, I'm gonna put this in your name. She said, why would you do that? So for two reasons, one, I'm gonna build your credit so you could be an asset to me if we're gonna be together in the future so you can have good established credit. And I'll explain, remind me to, remind me to tell y'all what established credit is here in a minute, okay? Gotcha. But I put the Raptor in her name. So now I am debt free, quote unquote. I got no cars in my name, nothing. So I have a free and clear name. Paid my credit cards down, right? Got rid of all those payments. I went from driving a Lambo and a S63 every day to a 2012 Ford Focus. All my friends laughed at me. When I showed up at their house, they were like, ah, oh, JJ, you're in a Ford Focus. I said, ah, oh, I said, wait, give me a year. Well, I turned around, stacked up money, took some equity out of my other house, took $100,000 in equity out of that red brick house, Took forty thousand from my savings, dropped two hundred grand down, or you know, hundred grand total, forty grand, and then I got sixty elsewhere. Put it down on my, on my new home. Once I bought my new house, bought a new Lamborghini, got a Huracan now, bought a Rolls Royce. Now my friends are like, "What the hell? How did how did you do that?" I'm like, "Weren't you just making fun of me for driving this Focus?" It must get worse before it gets better. A lot of people will not take their little lifestyle down for six months or a year to turn around and level up to the next huge step up. I'm about to do it again. When I get rid of this ghost and I get rid of these cars, I'm probably gonna pay off the house, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: then go buy a new ghost and I'll have a new asset under my name. So let's go back to established credit real quick, right? Stood. So, in order to have a, a regular established credit, there's certain unlock key unlocks to credit. So, when you buy a car beginning, right? Let's say that you went out to buy a car tomorrow and you bought everything cash your whole life. You're going to get a shitty interest rate on a Honda Civic. You're going to get approved for 10 grand, maybe, at a 15%, 20% interest rate. You gotta pay to play. They don't trust you yet. You're nobody. You better take that, make six months of perfect on-time payments. Once you do that, you call a credit union, not a bank, a credit union, and say, hey, see my track record? I wanna refi my car. I don't wanna take any money out of it. I want you guys to finance it. Instead of being 15% or 20%, I want it for 8%. They're gonna go, okay, we got no reason to say no to you you've had 6 months of on 6 7 months of on time payments. Cool. Now you go for 24 months with that Civic, that Charger, whatever the hell it is. 24 months. Your credit karma will ding at you and say, "Congratulations. You have unlocked this spree." Now you can turn around and go to the Land Rover dealership and say, "I want that Range Rover Sport for 40-50 grand." They're going to say, "Yes, sir. Okay. You got it. You can get it." You have 24 months of perfect payment history. You will get that car you want at 40000 50000 Your income has to show that you can afford it, but if you can income-wise, your credit, you can do it. Now you can do it. 24 months. So I had my girl, get my Raptor in her name, 24 months, boom, unlocked it. Right then and there, turned around, I put her in an ML63 AMG, Mercedes, 50, $57,000. I told the credit union, this is my chick, please finance her, good recommendation. They did. Not my chick can buy any car she wants. Damn near. If your income will support it. But just because you have the income doesn't mean they're gonna give you that car, the bank will finance you.
0: Yeah, you gotta have credit.
1: Gotta have the credit and
0: the established credit. And you gotta have debt, like, and in, in do it right.
1: You gotta have what's called revolving debt. Yeah. So like, it's funny because just recently, I got turned down for something. Or I'm sorry, I didn't get turned down. My credit limit went down on a couple of my cards. <laughs> and I asked, I, I yelled it, you know, I yelled at my, my MasterCard, and I yelled at this. And I was like, why? They were like, well, you're, you're, you've closed all these accounts. So I haven't closed the accounts, i have been paying off debt. When you pay off debt, and you stop the revolving, right? Yeah. It shows as a closed account so that being a closed account makes your credit score drop so i'm in the high sixes right now and i was in the high sevens because i paid off one of my properties i paid off the rolls i paid yeah. off the tow truck i paid off a few of my semi-trucks a bit. it sucks it's stupid how it works yeah but it'll come back up as long as you keep making your other payments properly so you yeah. got to keep revolving debt rolling too credit card utilization you really ideally want under 10 percent. so if you have a ten thousand thousand dollar Uh, Limit you want under $1,000 on that card or $1,000 or less. Most people don't live like that. So you really want under 30%. So if you have $10,000, that's $3,000 in debt. Anywhere above 5,000 is above 50%. Your utilization goes down to using more of that. So if you want really good credit, your highest scores, you want below 30% and really below 10%. If you can get it below 10%, you can damn near buy anything you want as long as you're making your on-time payments and pay on your minimums. If your minimum's $30, pay 35. It doesn't matter if you pay $31, $35, or if you pay $500. It only goes as a green check mark basically in the credit system that you paid above your minimum payment. Doesn't matter if it's by a dollar or by $500. That's how it works.
0: Yeah. A lot so of people what about don't those know people that. people that are like, oh wait, I wanna pay off my credit card every month. You
1: don't do that. You only do that with what's called a charge card. So I have an Amex platinum card. It's hard to get an Amex Platinum card. You have no spending limit on those. They give you spending limit if your credit's bad or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mine has no spending limit. I can put whatever I want on that card. It's a step before a black card. They yeah. invite you for a black card depending on what you spend per month. I don't spend three five 500000 a month on my card. They're not going to give me a black card. I don't care to have a black card. I used to want one really bad. I don't care about the status symbols in life like that anymore. You know, I already drive a nice car, wear a nice watch, have nice clothes. Yeah. That I don't wear all the time, but whatever. So, that being said, um, if you want something like that, like if you want, you know, something like that, you have to spend all that money on that card in order to do it. But, like I said, if you go back to to that credit utilization, that is, that's what it all comes down to, is that. But a charge card you pay off every month. Yeah. Credit Uh, card. Not
0: to just cold stop you here, but let's. Let's knock a couple things out, because I, I know Sorry. we got to get to a couple things. Yeah. First of all, before we do this, I'm watching all y'all that are watching on here live. If y'all got questions, hit up that chat. Y'all want to ask JJ some questions? Now's your chance. Cause
1: or, or add my Instagram. You can yeah. Add my Instagram. I mean, you
0: hit him up on his Instagram. You can give that out here in a second yeah. if you want. Yeah, you people can want to. You find him at Fast Four Wheels. He's got the fat Shack. I mean, all these things, but... Right now, those of you that are participating and watching live, don't be shy. Hit up this chat. I'm watching it and I'm going to throw it out there. Y'all got a question you want to ask JJ something? Throw it out there. If it's good, got a solid question, I'll throw it out there to him. So I didn't get in early on to what are we drinking? What are we smoking? Because y'all always beat me up about this because I forget to do it, especially when I have a good entertaining guest and I mean, it just flows sometimes. So. The cigar i finished and the one he started with was the foreign affair the torpedo
1: this is a good cigar
0: yeah it, good cigar. It, it, it's one of my favorite cigars in the lounge you know you can get them up here at industrial uh cigar aficionado just gave these so um this is made in frankie i'm sorry i can't remember his last name right now but frankie starts with a c i'll think of it in a little bit but he partnered with Luciano. Him and Luciano put out this foreign affair. I can't quit smoking these things. They're absolutely amazing. So, JJ started with that as well. JJ likes Torpedoes, but likes a more of a Connecticut wrapper, lighter. So, there's not a lot that I had available in a Connecticut that was a Torpedo, since that's the size and style he likes.
1: The Christoph Connecticut? Yeah. One of my favorite I mean, ones. that's...
0: Yeah, that's that's what you told me. So I tried to go with something that I thought would pair well also with tequila. Yeah, no, this is really JJ good. JJ's a big tequila drinker, so we got the Class A Azul here that I brought from the house. And then I also brought, I'm going to give Loyalty Liquors a plug just because I really like Loyalty Liquors. It's one of my favorite places to stop over in Plano. Uh, actually, this might be the Colony. It's technically right there at Spring Creek and 121. Oh, yeah. They did a partnership with the DFW Whiskey Club and the DFW Tequila Club. This Codijo Reposado. It's the Three Amigos. I've had this at the bar for a while. It's really good as well, so I brought that because I thought J.J. would enjoy it. we um, have a cup of that next. Yeah, absolutely. And then we also went with his other cigar that if he doesn't get to now on the show, he's going to take home with him is the... Luciano Torpedo. It's very similar to the Ford Affair. This has just got a little different profile on it. It's another cigar that I really like to smoke. And then I've, I'm about to light a Nelson Alfonso Bandolero. This is the Series C Torpedo as well. This is another one that just size, flavor, profile will go really well with tequila. So if you're a tequila drinker and that's up your alley, I suggest you try one of these. Now JJ and I haven't really talked a whole lot about this, but everything you guys are hearing, you know this is very in profile, in line with what Common Sense is all about, why we do this podcast. So that you guys can hear these stories, learn these lessons, through other people's experiences. I think that's the best way to relate. You know, you're telling stories, you get to have these open dialogues, open conversations. And like you said, what do you do with your circle? Your circle of six, you know, whatever your circle of five, whatever your circle is, these are the types of conversations you should be having with them and learning from their experiences. Because there's nothing in life that's gonna teach you better than someone else's experience. And And listen to their mistakes. Listening to it and making your own choices and then going and making your own mistakes. So I welcome all of you that are watching on here. I mean, I keep seeing the watching numbers spike and go up and down. But there ain't been a single question on here yet. And I can't believe that because JJ has been dropping knowledge on you guys since he said go on here. Free game. Free game. And as you know, he just talked about it he has a mentorship program that we'll probably be inviting him back on here to talk about and let you guys know more about i'll post it on the page when he uh shares that information but if you would be interested in being mentored by somebody like jj drop me a line send me a dm whatever i'll connect you guys because jj is somebody that i would call on if i had a question about certain things that's the type of relationship we have he wouldn't just be here giving his free time for the hell of it. You know, he's here trying to share good knowledge with you guys. and you know, I
1: like to share knowledge with people. But honestly, most people don't listen to it. They don't. They'll listen to it. You know, they'll just hear what you have to say. And they'll never change their regimen or like what they got going on in life. Like,
0: Well, a lot of people don't think that they can do it. They won't take that first step. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, even when I've had... Or I've gone to things where you have guys that are special forces operators and stuff like that. You know, like Robert O'Neill, what he wrote on my 22 kill box when we sat down and shared that pour, his exact quote, and the same thing he wrote in his books when he signed my books that I have of his. Take the shot. One of them says take the fucking shot. But it's take the shot. Like, if you don't do it, if you don't try, try. Yeah. you're never going to know.
1: So like, you're, you're going to fail.
0: Mm, you're going
1: actually, to, when you you're try, you're, you're going fail. to fail. But when you fail, it's perfectly fine. It's like, when you, when you try, just know when you fail, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to go that way again. It's like, how many of these guys ever approach women at bars, right? If you get rejected because you went up and told her like, oh, yeah, I have a really cool, I have a really cool uh, video game at my house, but well, guess what? Probably didn't, probably didn't help you out by telling her you have a really good video game system in challenge. Yeah. Your so you're not gonna use that line next time. You know what I mean? You're yeah. gonna, gonna go with a different approach the next time. Yeah. Same with anything else. You know, if you're, if the first time doesn't work, try, try it a little bit different than the second time. It's very simple. You only, you only fail when you stop trying and you only have to succeed once. If I, if I, if this show was about all of my failures, we wouldn't have enough time.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, I mean. We
1: wouldn't have enough time if we did this every day for for weeks.
0: I've done it for a year and I couldn't talk about all my failures on it.
1: Correct, but you only have to succeed once, twice, once really, in order to get something going. And once that's successful, you can use that success to feed into your others. That's how it works.
0: Same thing, you get one person to buy your gadget for $5, example there's a million other people that would buy your $5 gadget out of all the people in the world. There's a million dollars. You just got to find a way to get that gadget to those other million people. You got to get exposure, learning, changing, growing. I mean, do you want to suck at,
1: you know what I suck at? I'm not good at at? marketing. Like I'm good at marketing myself, you know, and like, like this, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to like advertising a product or advertising, like even my, my restaurant chain, like I'm not that good at marketing. Like, I'm a talkative guy, but like with people I know, cause I don't just randomly go out and talk and like a group of people. Like I'm a public speaker. Like I can, I can rap and sing and do all that stuff, but I don't sit there and market stuff. That's why I've had to say, oh, I'm going to do a mentor program. I need to be saying this. I'm trying to tell myself, I need to be saying this, saying this, saying this. I'm not good at marketing. It's not my like forefront. I'm good at facilitating. I'm good at putting together the best people, a team together.
0: I'm good at executing. And I'm
1: good at execution. But I'm not good at marketing it. I'm really not. Well, it's, it's good. That's not my strong have a conversation
0: suit. about because I know some great marketers, and I could probably put you in touch with some people. Like yeah, the, but the I new, know my strong suits. Yeah, right? and
1: I know my and I
0: know my weaknesses. And what do you do with that? You go and surround yourself with people that are better at those things than, than I are. am.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Like you have to acknowledge and at a certain point recognize what you're good at and what you're not good at. And what you're
1: not good at.
0: Yeah, like recognize what you're not good at is probably more important than recognizing what you're good at.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Because if you know what you're not good at, you can put extra effort into learning that, practicing that, or just seeking out and finding those individuals that are experts at that. Exactly. And they're probably, and I I bet you that probably nine times out of 10, what you suck at and they're really good at the exact opposite Opposite. is true yep they probably suck at what you're good at and could use your assistance there and then guess what you're building a relationship and now you're networking and now you're helping each other out and helping each other succeed because it's all about making each other help each other succeed it's exactly at the end and if you have somebody that's just in your corner and not helping you do any of those things like jj said earlier i don't I don't, you know, just say it bluntly. I don't fuck with those people. Like, I don't want those people in my circle. Like, if you're that person I only talk to twice a year, that's probably for a reason. Like, we've probably been friends long enough that, like, I'm going to keep in touch and, like, pleasantries and, like, yeah, hey, we're cool. We can kick it. But I'm not devoting extra time. I'm not not giving you that piece of time because life is too fucking short. Yeah. Like, if you want to do things and make moves and have these things, you got to build the relationships and put the effort in. But anybody that's doing that, if they don't see you putting in that same level of work, they ain't fucking with you either. Correct. That's exactly so, I mean, right. it's a show it. Don't, don't just talk about it either because you can't just be one of those people that yeah. sits here and talks about, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No. People wanna see you do it. And it kinda goes like you talking about the cars and stuff too. Did you necessarily need a ghost Rolls Royce? No, you could do it. Did you do it for those reasons? Nope, but when you do pull up in that, it turns heads. People are gonna ask you at the gas station, hey man, how did you get a ghost Rolls Royce?
1: I have people that pull up next to me and they they, they tell me to roll my window and I roll it down, I look over and they go, bro, I just wanna know what you do for a living. Yeah. And I tell them, I give them my Instagram so we can keep in contact. Some of those people I take time, I'll go to lunch with or I'll go to dinner with and I'll sit down and they'll be like, hey man, what do you do? How do you do it? One person of all the people I've done this for, and I've done this for a lot of people, literally. Yeah. I've done this for like probably 20 people now total. Okay. One person, the Uber driver that I had.
0: Yeah. The Uber driver. He
1: checks in with me every six months to a year, and like, I bought another house. And I'm like, go boy, like
2: God, wow. It.
1: And he asked me questions. I didn't charge him any money. I wasn't doing mentoring at the time or anything like that. But guess what? What I said works. He's on his like third house now. So now he's making 3,000 some odd dollars of passive income, still driving for Uber, still has a job. I told him, keep your Prius, he had a Prius, keep your Prius and keep, your, keep driving for Uber. Keep your day job, his other job that he had. Keep buying real estate.
0: Y'all hear that too? He said the Uber driver that he met and took drove a Prius. So even JJ in peak before this recession and all this bullshit, he wasn't ordering Uber XL and black. I've never ordered an Uber XL or black ever right. in my life. Like I don't you, care. You had a Uber in a Prius come pick you, bro.
1: One. I order Uber when I when I Uber, okay, and I Uber often because I'm dropping cars off and go in places and everything. I'm getting the cheapest ride that there is. I don't need to pull up in anything fancy. I do not care.
0: Yeah. I Who's do not gonna care. Who's going to look over and see you in the back of the car? Give it. I don't give and a shit. And if they do, who gives a shit? I
1: don't care. I do not care genuinely. Yeah. I don't care. I care what I pull up in. I'm honestly I'm I'm over I'm over cars. I got my pilot's license. I want to buy a plane.
0: Why is it that every person that gets to a certain level in life gets fascinated with flying? I've always. Been I just went and looked at an air hanger today, at Love Field that we're going to do some work on hopefully, and like saw Troy Aikman's private jet that oh, he just bought with his new thing. That's jet. It's- Baller. I want a plane. And you see these guys yeah. doing this stuff. It's like me. I'm not. If that shit don't have two engines, I ain't getting it. Oh, I had man. a bad experience no, with no, a little no. prop plane, little Cessna. That's exactly why. Six seater. Yeah. Hell no. That's what I I'm fly. out on that. I ain't going flying with you, JJ. <laughs> until you level up and you do that JJ level up thing. When you're flying in a jet. So hold on. Right, so
1: so, so um, I, I said, I want a plane. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna get a plane. I'm gonna take my stepping stones with the plane. Then I'm gonna buy a jet. Yeah. I am. And I'm, guess what I'm gonna do when I get that jet?
0: Charter that bitch. I'm out. gonna
1: put it in a charter service.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I already know. Because
1: there's no point to have a jet if it's just gonna sit there.
0: And five years from now, when I have JJ back on the show, but he'll be on there before then, I'll have we'll the be jet. talking about his charter service. And the, you're 100%. Maybe, right. we'll fill the po- maybe we'll film the podcast in one of In his the jet. Jets. Yeah, we'll do it in, in the, the jet. Just for the hell of it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a good idea to me. I'll drop my uh, new Y'all, rolls y'all are, are not asking questions. Like this is really like, kind of chapping my ass tonight. Like I really figured some of you would be asking questions because I can see who all is watching on here, and y'all have a golden opportunity. Like i th- we're about to we're about to move to a Patreon service where we may not be live when you see it, and the people that are part of the Patreon service we'll have an opportunity to know the guests coming on and ask some of these questions that they want to ask ahead of time. But right now you got a serial entrepreneur that has gone through tons of shit and we, I mean, we're just scratching the surface and we've only been on for a little over an hour, maybe about an hour and a half. But I'm just saying you got a golden opportunity. This is what I'm talking about
1: when people, people that they think they know, or they're like, oh, I can't do this right now, or, oh, it's not the time, or, oh, he doesn't want to talk to me, or I, can, mm-hmm. I don't think I can do it. Well, that's-
0: or if you were just giving out free advice, just like, let's say you're wearing your Ed Hardy shirt, and you're at the bar, and you're talking to them. They don't see the Rolls-Royce keys sitting oh, on sure. the bar next to you. I never have whatnot, enough. Like never they don't ever engage like how many people like never even like they sit next to you and never even say a word like it, it's amazing to me like and i watch people go to events like sales networking marketing events all the time and they're afraid to engage or afraid to walk up and ask a question for the fear of sounding dumb i mean i really don't know but, but i but that's mean, I
1: most this. most people though i mean like they they that's exactly what you just said for the fear of sounding dumb or for the fear of saying something mm-hmm. you know most people are intimidated By if if, most people won't ask you a question when you pull up in a nice car or wearing something because they they're like, Oh shit, they know you this guy's money and that you know they they think, you know, they, they know.
0: Yeah.
1: And they they're like, Oh shit, it's too rich for my britches or something. It's like, dude, anytime I see somebody wearing a Richard Mill or wearing a badass Rolex or something, I'm like, Hey man, I'm like beautiful watch, what do you do? Once in a blue moon I'll get a guy that that looks at me and is like yeah, I do real estate. Have a good day. And yeah. they don't want to talk, and I'm like, okay, whatever. cool. Don't want to talk. Yeah, cool. But
0: what did that hurt you?
1: Exactly. The the worst you can get told is no. It's like my friends that don't talk to girls. They wonder why they're single. Some of my friends ask me. But they're like, so you guys saw my girlfriend. My girlfriend's gorgeous. She's super hot. And they go, how did you do that? How did you get this girl? I'm like, talk to girls. Talk to them. Just people. The hotter they are, the more lonely they are, too. No one talks to them. No guys go up and talk to them. They're scared to talk to them. I'll be the one that walks up and I'm like, your hair looks great today. Where do you get your hair done? I have no hair. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: And boom, they laugh. Start a conversation. I tell people all the time, like, just what's the worst thing you can get told? No? Yeah. What does that do?
0: Yeah. You know how many times I've been told no in my life? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I mean... There ain't enough time in the podcast to talk about it. all the times you've been told no. That's but what But at the end of the day, what, what does that affect you? It doesn't, it doesn't have any effect on you. None, zero. Like maybe at that moment, in that split second.
1: Donald Trump's son, Don Jr., I was eating dinner with my girlfriend at Nick and Sam's. I go to Nick and Sam's often. It's a badass steakhouse. I love Nick and Sam's. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best restaurants in all of Dallas. I'm sitting at Nick and Sam's in the bar. I go there often. And there's a safari hunting club in there. And all of a sudden I see Don Jr. walk by and my chick and I see him, we look up and he nods at us and just walks by. And I was like, I look at my girl, she looks at me and I'm like, so that who I think it was? And she goes, yup. And I was like, I'll be right back. I got up and she's like, you're not. I was like, oh, I am. I go to the front door. He's waiting on his Uber black. This is, yeah. you know? And I walk up and I go, I see a security kind of outside looking at me and I walk up and I, I just walk up and I was like, excuse me, are you Donald Trump Jr.? He's like, yes. I said, man, I'm, I'm a big fan. I was like, I know you get this a lot. I was like, do you mind if I take a picture with you? And he was like, no, go ahead. We sat there and chopped it up for 10 minutes before his Uber got there. And when are you gonna have that opportunity ever again? How often are you gonna have yep. that opportunity?
0: How you often? You didn't go up and ask for an autograph.
1: I don't want his autograph, right? I don't even, I mean, I wanted the picture with him just for my, I didn't even post that picture. It's in my right. phone. I don't care about that. I sat there and talked a little bit about politics, but I talked about the hunting club and all that stuff. How do you get in it? You know what you would do. I was like, why are you in Dallas? He's like, Oh, the hunting club and all that. And I was like, that's really cool. And I was like, man, I was like, um, if you, I gave him my information, I'm not gonna ask for his phone number, yeah. I was, but I was like, Hey man, I'm gonna give you my phone number. If you ever want to hit me up while you're in Dallas. If you ever need some good places to go, or if you ever need an exotic car rental or a chauffeur service, you know, I'm, involved, I'm invested in a business like that. I said, I'd be happy to help you out. And he was like, no, cool. So we shook hands. So he's like, what's your name again? I said, JJ Solomon, y'all, you know, I'm JJ. I'm he was like, cool, man, good to meet you. Now, if I ever see Don Jr. again, remember me, met you in Dallas, he'd be like, oh yeah, JJ. Yeah. I was in 2016, right before Trump was elected, I was at a tattoo convention in Detroit. And who's at our hotel? Donald Trump. He was in the penthouse. And Eric, his other son, was having drinks, staring at my girlfriend <laughs> in the lobby. So what I do? Jumped up, walked over, hung out with him, talked to him, took a picture with him. But whatever. Didn't post it. I'm not, I want clout like that. I don't care. But I know Eric and I know Don on a first name basis, to my, my good friends with them, I'm not, I'm not saying I am. But these guys, now, when I can say, hey man, we met a long time ago, I don't know if you remember, i will be like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe. Don will definitely remember me, 100%, no offense or buts. We had a good 10 minutes. I met Kevin Gates at the Lamborghini dealership. It's one of my favorite rappers. And then, I met him again with Paul backstage at a show in Virginia, and he, I was like, what's up Kevin? And he's like, I know you and I was like I know we met at Lambo Dallas his Lamborghini is getting service and my Lamborghini is getting service. we just sat in the dealership and talked for a good 30 minutes he had no idea I'm, in, I'm involved in music and I'm good friends with DJ Paul so now Kevin and I now we exchange phone numbers and him and I are good friends
0: that's awesome
1: it's all about networking it's all about who you know and seize that opportunity when you get it why not? So it, it, it's crazy.
0: And I apologize to anybody. I just got informed that apparently Rumble is not letting you comment tonight. I don't know what that's about. We'll have to get to the bottom of that. But I met, if you are over on the YouTube channel, I'm checking that, too. So feel free to jump on over there, too. I met
1: Jelly Roll the other night. I was at the show. No, sure. Jelly Roll, yeah. Well, I was in the dressing room with uh, DJ Paul and, uh, and all of them, you know, because I went, I went to the show with them. Like I said, he's a, he's a really good friend of mine. Yeah, And so I was back there with uh, Jelly Roll and um, his wife, Bunny, uh, Lil White, Lil Flip, all them. And I, I met a lot of them. Just, they're, they're just cool people, you know. Yeah. They, uh, but I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm involved in music myself. So it's cool to be around all these guys that always, you know, are positive. And uh, they all came from nothing. Nothing, yeah. nobody. They're regular people. And um, I was with them uh, this last weekend
0: that's so. the other thing too Like, at the end of the day it's just another human being Yeah, that's doing something different than you if you just treat them like a regular human being and have a normal conversation with them you're probably going to get somewhere with it because that's what everybody wants at the end of the day yeah. most of those people are really lonely because just like the hot girl nobody talks to them no one, will him. Him. No one
1: will walk up to them except for paparazzi that want mm-hmm. stupid pictures and stuff like that yeah but no, I met all of them and they're really cool people. It was cool chopping it up with them and you ask them different questions and you know, what being on the road is like with them and what the entertainer lifestyle is like and all that. And it's, it's not what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks just cause like you drive a Rolls Royce. Oh, it must be nice. Yeah, it must be nice when you work 120 hours a week to yeah. drive this car and you, you see me the one night I'm out in it because all the other time I'm in my beater going to and from all my businesses dealing with stress, problems, issues, this, that, and the other must be nice. I love when people say, "Oh, you're lucky. Must be nice." Yeah, right.
0: I can tell you when he first started out with the like repair stuff, too. I didn't go to some fancy shop or anything like that like He had
1: a one-bay shop. He and, had a one-bay an industrial, industrial storage, storage facility. facility. That's where it started.
0: And that's where he started. Like, I mean, and honestly, I mean, if he hadn't have been him and been so fucking cool when we first met, You'd I'd, never been like, the truck I'd have been like God why did I take my truck here yeah I mean like I I know the owner of grapevine Ford yeah. like that's normally where I take my shit yeah. like if I had known and like whatnot and like you hadn't have been the way you were and you're like Bro, give me your cell phone number. I'll take pictures when my tow truck gets here. I'll, you know, I'll get you. I'll have everything to you Monday morning. Fuse number 27? Yeah. Is that what it is? I'm telling you right now, I already know what the problem is, but I'll get you the full diagnostic report. Yep. Yada, yada, yada. You know, if I would just like by appearance, but like, honestly, I haven't very often got better service than what I got right then and there in a storage bay, in a storage facility. He had top line mechanics there, and it wasn't like he was just working on my Ford Raptor, a Ford truck, pretty common. I pretty had Bentleys, easy to work Lamborghinis, on. and other yeah, cars there. That's what I'm saying. There. But then yeah. you look in the bays of this like thing, and there's Bentleys, Lamborghinis, yep. and all kinds of shit. Yep. Not just anybody can work on a Lamborghini. Like, so I
1: specialize in Lambo service now. Yeah. I do Lamborghini service, I do Ferraris, I do Porsche, I do Bentley Rolls Royce. I do all that now. I also do Honda Civics. I do, I do everything. You know, yeah. I do everything. But now I have everything for Lambos. Yeah. I have everything. So I'm in Lam- Lambo Club Dallas. We have a small group of us. Okay. Small. I service a lot of the guys' cars in Lamborghini
2: Dallas. You got a paint and body shop? I do. We got to talk. Yeah. yeah, it does. Jeez. Yeah, yeah I got a paint
0: body
1: talk.
2: shop. I got uh, auto repair. Can you make his
0: exhaust a little louder?
1: Yeah,
2: I can do that.
0: He used to got really mad when, no my, when my when my V no was <laughs> louder on the cold start. He cut his exhaust off trying to be louder. My
2: F one fifty straight pipe. That's all. Okay, and it's a coyote, so it sounds. The V was beautiful. still louder, okay. for the record, right. for
0: any of you that wanted to know.
2: I can
1: I can help you with that. Oh,
0: there you go. <laughs> help you
2: get a nice clean sound out
1: of that instead of just okay. We'll oh, we we have a lot of discussion after. I this got season, you, so, man. No man. no worries.
0: All right, so I know we're to the point where I need to wrap this up a little bit. So
1: my Instagram is jstallion34, Absolutely. J-S-T-A-L-L-I-O-N-3-4. Uh, it's a picture of me. I am verified. I got like 11,000, 12,000 followers on there now for me. And um, anybody can follow me, DM me, go through Garrett, whatever. Yeah, Send
0: me a message. I'll connect you if you got something you want to connect with him on. We're gonna be connecting on some stuff in the future, especially knowing about his mentor program and all that. I can guarantee you JJ will be a return guest at some point. We will be doing some more talking about his mentorships. If y'all have questions about that, just cause we don't have all that information ready and available for you right now, DM me. I'll gladly connect you. You guys can be a part of what he's doing. He'll gladly coach you. And as you can see, he wears it on his sleeve like I do you're going to get this. JJ's never been anything yeah. other than this. I'm
1: real, I'm not fake. I'll tell you exactly yeah. how it is. Yep.
0: If he don't like you, you're gonna know he don't like you. You'll know. You'll know, real, real. real fast. Real fast. <laughs> well, man, I, before, we, before we wrap this up, there's a few things we do on the show. If, if you had children and you were going to leave tonight and you could only leave your child with one word of advice or one piece of advice. What would that piece of advice be?
1: Is this life advice?
0: It, what kind of advice? It could be life. But so, it, like, it could be your dying words. Like, you want to give them some, like, a really good piece of advice like to, like, to go with. It. Like, hey, if I never get to give you another piece of advice, what would this piece of advice be?
1: Well, the world, unfortunately, is run by money. So what I would say is... Don't let money rule you. Do something, do something that you love to do in life, but also has the ability to make you have a nice life. So, for instance, if you wanted to be a teacher, great. But, you're, but that's probably not going to net you a decent, li- a decent life and living. So if you want that decent life or decent living, I wish I had my dad to tell me this when I was a kid, but I didn't. Cause like I said, he passed away when I was yeah. eight. I wish somebody told me to go in directly into commercial real estate, oil and gas, or energy. Something that I, that I could do business, good business with, or wealth management. Something that I could, I'm a people person, right? So something that I could interact with people, help people, make things better for them, and do something that makes me a comfortable living as well. So if I had to give advice to my child, which I don't have any kids yet, or somebody that is important to me, I would say do something that makes you happy, but also does have the ability to net you what you want in life. Absolutely. That's what I would say. That's my advice to somebody.
0: It's great advice, great advice. All right, now, I don't know where you're gonna go with this because you've dropped so much knowledge and common sense on people tonight. We have a little segment called, give us your two cents. Okay. so. This could be something I didn't ask you or you didn't get to say yet that you just want to put out there. Give the listeners JJ's final two cents for this episode.
1: Well, considering we're in the world we're in, my two cents is stop looking at people's social media and judging your life by people you hate that you don't like. That you think that you need to be better than, because they're not happy. That's why they post everything. That's why they post these trips or vacations or them and all these new cars and all this stuff. Half of that stuff, that's all not real. My other two cents is: let's just look at the world politics. It doesn't matter who the person is that's getting up. That's let's say the let's take president biden for example i'm yep. not a, i'm not a biden supporter obviously i think he's i think he's crashing the plane that's our country into the into the ocean i was a trump supporter i wanted trump to win this last election he didn't i wanted biden to do well though because we're all on the plane stop judging something or some person or like for instance if you're going for this next presidency let's say you're voting who cares if you don't like trump's orange skin or the fact that he says stupid stuff sometimes because i agree with that he's shut his mouth sometimes
0: yeah that's probably to speak for you
1: but you need to go for the person right that's that's gonna that's gonna help our entire country not just you my two cents is Think outside the box on something. Don't just go for oh well. This guy makes my life worse, so I'm not going to vote for him. Does he make everything else better? Yeah. So if Biden had a better campaign and a better uh, thing than Trump did, I'd have voted for him. I'd have gone for it. Yeah, it wasn't a Democrat I, or Republican. I don't care who it is. Yeah. I actually wanted Ben Carson to be president. To be honest with you. Yeah. I, he was my choice over Trump in 2016. Yeah. But he didn't get, he, he wasn't on, on the ballot. It was Trump or Hillary. On those two, I figure Trump being a, I understand macroeconomics, and Trump being a businessman, right? I'm saying, I think that guy is gonna have a better shot at running the country than that guy, Hillary. Just my two cents, my opinion. Yeah. So my my two cents is don't look at somebody because they don't like it, who cares about that person look at the bigger picture on everything and go for what's going to what's going to net the best for everybody overall. If that makes sense.
0: That makes a lot of sense. You know, like I I've been impressed with what Robert Kennedy's been putting out. Yeah, he's. Yeah, well, you he's know? been doing great. I, and he's, he's, he's a Democrat, right? Be, yeah, he's a yeah, Democrat. Democrat. And I mean, yeah. I think, you know, he's been a lawyer that's fought for. The he's smart. And everything he's super else. smart. He's battled the biggest and he's super smart. Yeah. I just, I I honestly am more afraid that if he got elected,
1: he'd he get taken be, out.
0: He'd get taken out exactly. just like the rest of just, his family. That's
1: exactly right. And I'm like, that's I
0: wouldn't exactly want right. to see that. Nope. But, like, I nope. mean, I hope the best for him. I mean, I, I, as of right now, like, I, I think he has a real good shot. But, you know, who knows? Well, man, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man, Anytime. and giving us your time. Yeah. I greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate our friendship. Yeah. And,. If you guys don't already know, go check out Fast Four Wheels. Stop by the Fat Shack in Plano. It's really good food. I mean, it ain't going to help your waistline, but it's really damn good food.
1: We have burgers, wings, and fillies, and we're open till 3 a.m. on the weekends and 1 a.m. every night. We're on DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub. When I mean, everything closes, Like we're like one of the few that's open. Yeah. We, have, we have an array of different foods, opposed to like Whataburger, Jack in the Box, McDonald's, because yeah. everybody's tired. Of jack tequila like box, like tequito
0: that's still available at all times of the day. <laughs>
1: you know they don't do that anymore. Ah. It's only available at, after
0: eleven p.m. The tequito—it's yeah, been like that forever. Eleven yeah. p.m. to eleven a.m. is the only time you can get a damn tequito.
1: We don't—we don't do breakfast at Fat Check, but our menus, everything, all the time. We have milkshakes. We have deep-fried desserts. We have deep-fried Oreos, deep-fried Twinkies, deep-fried chocolate chip cookies, and deep-fried uh, cheesecake bites.
0: I bet Alex would approve all this. What do you think, Biz?
2: unless
1: yeah we have we have some good we have some good stuff.
0: Awesome but, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We're gonna be back again next week. We got another good show lined up for you guys. I have Alvin Hope Johnson coming on the show next week. He's a, another very very educated guy that has brought himself up. In the multifamily investment world, he's got a class coming out at the end of the month. I think it's a two-day seminar. I'll post some more stuff about that later this week. Where if you want to learn how to invest in multifamily real estate, that's my next. He's got a he's got a course for you, as you guys know. My day job, I rehab apartment complexes, so I guarantee you this is gonna be a good show because it's both of our languages we're speaking here i'm gonna get to be on the other side of the wall with a guy that isn't on the ownership side that invests, buys these properties you're gonna get to hear that dialogue and see how he looks at these things versus how someone like me on the contractor side would i think it's a show you guys are all gonna love so please tune in please support these guys and until next time peace